Welcome to the Backlot by Alamo Drafthouse for Thursday, August the 8th. We are coming to you, as always, from the Alamo Drafthouse here in Springfield, Missouri. I am one of your hosts, Joey Mills with ComingSoon.net. And joining me today in the room, we have... Alamo Jen. And David Mann with the Alamo Drafthouse. Kenny is not here. We will check in with him a little bit later on. We do. He'll be back one of these days, eventually. So, everybody, what have you been up to? Did you see anything... Uh, there's only one new movie at the yeah. box office last week, but I did not see that new movie. Me either, and I do love the Fast and Furious movies, yeah. so I'm going to see it, and I'm sure I'll love it. Uh, but I did not get a chance this weekend, which bummed me out a little bit. But. Yeah, I know Kenny saw it, but he's not here to tell us his thoughts. I, from what I understand, he enjoyed it. He liked it, good. good. So, good. but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's you know, it's the formula. If you like the formula, then you're probably going to like whichever film follows the formula. Exactly, so. and uh, you know, I have the same expectations I have for the last few, and I'm sure yep. it meets every last one of those expectations. I imagine so. Well, let's take a look then at the top five at the box office last weekend. Speaking of, Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw debuted at number one, earning just over $60 million. Every other film from the previous weekend just slid down a spot to make room at the top, so there's not a lot of change in the top five, which makes sense with only one wide <laughs> release yeah. last weekend. Yeah. Uh, that means Lion King slid to number two, made another $38.5 million. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood slid down to number three, making just another $20 million. That film continues to be an either you love it or you don't kind oh, of film. definitely. The are, comments are, there's no in between. Nobody said, oh, it was okay. Yeah. Are we done with our embargo on this one? You want to lift it? Let's I, lift it. I, like I think so. Really, we're we're, really we're a couple like weeks out now. It. Go ahead. Okay. We've had two weekends, so at that yeah. point, I think we're safe. Yeah, so if, you know... Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, and it's about to be spoiler zone. Uh, yeah, so this movie is very different from other Tarantino films. Uh, it's the first one where I thought you could probably cut about forty minutes out of it, and it wouldn't hurt the movie. Right. Uh, and you know, he's he's typically known for his amazing dialogue, and it's definitely there. Uh, but there are several, several moments throughout the film where it just lingers on some sort of action without doing anything else. Uh, Not action in the exciting, necessarily. Action. But action like something's being done. Yeah, like feeding a dog, yeah. <laughs> uh, which lasts about five minutes almost. Uh, uh, yeah, there are some really slow moments in the movie. Uh, I have not gotten to watch it a second time yet, which I think with my... Knowing what you know Knowing now. Knowing what I know now, I'm sure that it will resonate a little stronger for me. I know some people didn't like certain elements of the movie. Uh, I've been reading about the, the Bruce Lee scene, which was a bit controversial even when it was filming. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to depict someone like Bruce Lee getting their ass kicked right. and sort of being a dick. Uh, although... I don't think he was really being a dick. It's just the classic Bruce Lee way that he talks. You know, right. He did talk a little bit of shit because he could back it up, and that was totally fine. That's one of the best he, things about he him. He had a chip quotes. on his shoulder because he had to have a chip on his shoulder trying to break into Hollywood as an Asian in the 1960s. Yeah, uh, that's definitely tough. And uh, one of my favorite videos is the nunchuck uh, ping pong. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, so he was... Of course, he was, he was, he was amazing. Uh, but in the film... It does sort of show Brad Pitt uh, halfway whooping his ass. It's not. Uh, 
it's not cut and dry where you can say that Brad Pitt won. In fact, they were going to film... The third. <laughs> the like, third knockdown. The third knockdown, and it was going to be Brad Pitt getting that knockdown, so he would have won the fight. And apparently, like, Brad Pitt, uh, some of the stunt people uh, were like... Let's no, not do that. <laughs> I think that will go over so, so poorly. No one will like that. And uh, Tarantino did defend it as, it's like, this is the way to show that Brad Pitt is tough for right. the end of the movie. Because uh, he's a stuntman. He's put through the ringer as far as uh, injuries and things right. like that. But you have to also show that he can kick someone's ass and that he's violent Uh especially for the finale, he's got to be able to murder a couple of people. Right. Uh, which, yeah, it's similar in Glorious Bastard vibes with the end of this movie where Quentin Tarantino rewrites history, and I think that is purely because Quentin Tarantino cannot depict those... I don't think he has that right. Yeah. Uh, because of the style of movies that he makes, they're usually pretty exploitative and... Uh, over-the-top ridiculous. They're not meant to be taken yeah. as a even quasi-historical. Yeah. They're meant to be... So, yeah. to depict something along the lines of uh, Sharon, uh, Sharon Tate, a pregnant woman's murder, I don't know there's a way that Tarantino gets away with that. Uh, but instead, similar to Inglorious Bastards, he fulfills a catharsis that real life doesn't provide sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, by getting to see these three pieces of garbage uh, get theirs. And in similar Tarantino fashion, whenever he's hurting someone who's bad, it's over-the-top yeah. <laughs> violent. Uh, like that chick getting her face bashed in, uh, Leo Dio getting to melt someone in the pool. <laughs> Uh, it all feels as an audience this type of violence when you see it depicted can sometimes make you cringe but when it's someone who's historically evil like uh, like Adolf Hitler for example it doesn't matter to show his face getting peppered with bullets because yeah that's Hitler uh, so I, I do like his approach with these semi-biographical pictures uh Pacing is just a little slow for me on this one, uh, but everything with Brad Pitt and everything with Leonardo DiCaprio, I really, really love those scenes. And the when it reveals that Brad Pitt may or may not have murdered his wife, uh, that is everything that, that Kurt Russell says in that little conversation is hilarious because he just drops that. It's like, hey, he killed his effing wife. And that, that little moment right there in the audience, <laughs> I like, my ears perk up, what? And then it has the cut scene and it doesn't show it, but by the end of the movie, I have a strong inclination that, yeah, he probably killed his wife. Yeah. Uh, and she deserved it. I don't know about <laughs> A simple divorce might have sufficed. <laughs> nah. Uh, they certainly weren't made for each other. I don't know if they do divorce in Tarantino films. Oh, uh, no. He's relationships end poorly in Tarantino films. He's got that harpoon gun resting <laughs> on his lap as she's yelling at him, and then it cuts back. Uh, yeah. It's... There are so many classic Tarantino moments throughout the movie that I absolutely loved. Uh, they're just so spaced out. And the Margot Robbie scenes... I know he got a little angry with mm -hmm. someone who was asking about the lack of dialogue with her and how she seems to have very little to do. Maybe it is that slice of life just showing a, 
a day in the life of a young Hollywood starlet. That's the point of it. But it is a bit too much. Yeah. She gets a little bit too much screen time for the lack of stuff she has to do. And maybe it's to set up the idea that at the end it'll play out the same. Because if you don't feature her enough, you might have that in your head. He's going to rewrite history and you lose right. that surprise. So that might have been a function of it. But having said that, I still would have liked more of the moments where she's actually talking to the concierge at the theater. Right. And yeah, I'm in the mood. And she's so peppy and the girl's like, who are you? She explains it. They get a picture with the poster. Uh, that whole moment is very wholesome and it shows how sweet she is. And I would have liked a few more of those uh, actual interaction type interactions. Moments, yeah. I want to see her around some people and maybe you don't want to put words into the mouth of a person who's no longer around but you are putting actions there that she may or may not have done i'm not certain right uh, but i don't think we're going for historical accuracy yeah. anyway and we've already are playing fast and loose with other characters so. yeah so i feel like you can get her to say something <laughs> yeah and, uh but yeah margot robbie's always really wonderful in movies and i would have liked to see her shine a little bit more because of her talent uh yeah, it's maybe if I see it again, it'll sort of resonate a little stronger for me because the movie is not really about any one thing in particular. It seems focused on that era and the transition of Hollywood and the soul of California in general. Right. So I did really, really like it. I'm sure I will love it, but when you go into a theater before a movie starts and say this is going to be the number one movie of the year for me, I know I'm going to love this. Right. You're setting yourself there's a lot, up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to be, to just, Jim, there's a long way it. to fall. It's <laughs> how I felt uh, when I saw Anchorman 2. Yeah, I get that. Except I didn't feel like that watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I loved it. That's I good. loved it. Uh, I, you know, and, and you mentioned Leo and Brad's performance and even a nod to Kurt Russell, but you didn't mention Brandy. <laughs> Brandy the Pitbull. And she kind of stole the show as far as I'm concerned. She was... And I loved that that dog food scene took every bit of that amount of time. Um, it reminded me a lot of the way I fed my dog when I had to, when I was nine. I'm like, God, is it time already? And uh, just the whole, yeah. yeah uh, just He didn't rush those things, and it made it a better experience for me. Uh, I, I loved all of it. I, it made me laugh a lot. It made everybody in the theater laugh a lot. We were all laughing together. We felt like best friends at the end. We exchanged numbers. <laughs> but um, it was. I was a big fan. It was. It was in my top three. Oh yeah, that's mm -hmm. good. Have we reached a point now where any movie featuring a tough alpha male type character is going to have to have a dog in it? <laughs> Maybe to soften it or to like, as humor or as a, a sidekick. Or it, te it definitely does some tempering. <laughs> uh, another between that John Wick. I mean, it feels like we're going to have to like. Eh, yeah, this just, guy needs a dog. It evens them People out a love little dogs. bit. Uh, there was a there's a line in the movie that I th I think is really really funny and I've talked to a few people about it. Uh, so Brad Pitt's acid dipped cigarette whenever he's talking to Leo Dio. <laughs> yeah, we had to look uh, that up after. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it's it's so funny uh, when he's trying to get Leonardo DiCaprio to smoke it with him, and uh, he says, "Ah, my beer don't need nobody." That's the funniest <laughs> thing ever because uh, Leo's just an alcoholic in the film. But by the end of it, I feel like he's going to be okay. Like, <laughs> you get that wonderful monologue that he delivers. Uh, the little girl who's 
so good in the movie, uh, so funny and dry. Uh, their interaction together throughout, it's, it's just wonderful. And the tossing her on the ground and the little, like, talking about it afterwards. <laughs> that was the best acting I've ever seen. And how much it affects him. Uh, yeah, there was, there's a lot of love that very frequently isn't featured in Tarantino movies. And you can see the reverence that he has for that decade and for old Hollywood. And you know that he loves cinema just by watching his movies, the, his homages to all these different styles that can be neglected in modern Hollywood. Uh, but this did seem like a beautiful love letter to his favorite year. Uh, so, yeah, I think this might be his movie with the most heart I also think Django's up there because at its heart it is a love story. Right. Uh, but this one felt like true authentic feelings from Quentin Tarantino. And I, I, I did really enjoy that. And I am anticipating next time I watch it to be able to settle in and enjoy it for what it is. Uh, I think the important thing is that you officially uh, glossed Leonardo DiCaprio as Leo Dio from here oh, on Oh, Leo out, Dio so is, that's exactly yeah. that's the how important I thing to know. <laughs> a lot. Every a time. Because he's amazing. I actually, <laughs> Brian in the office, uh, he's not a fan, mm -hmm. so sometimes I'll just go in and like list movies <laughs> and say, really? Uh, because he is so talented and so funny. Uh, he can be so funny. Uh, I liked him in Growing Pains. You liked him? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you don't see, whenever an actor sort of like gets to the level that he's at, you don't get to see them loosen up as much and have fun with it. And seeing him have fun in movies, uh, if he, I mean, he could just be acting like he's having right. fun and he's doing a great job of it. <laughs> but it does it. seem like he's enjoying his time. Yeah. And... Yeah, he's so hilarious. Wolf of Wall Street, uh, this one, you get a couple of scenes of him just being ridiculous, and he has this sort of stammer whenever he's talking uh, and not acting in the movie. So, so many wonderful, beautiful touches, I'm sure. You're going to see some nominations out of this movie. Uh, but yeah, definitely check it out. And if you were sour to it the first time, maybe go back and give it a second chance. It is a bit long, and I've heard there's a longer cut, <laughs> which I'm, I might actually is there not a shorter be interested cut? Is in it. Yeah. A better one, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you get to see one of these auteur directors take something and do something unique. Anytime you get like a, like a Scorsese or Tarantino or a Christopher Nolan film. Uh, which we'll talk about. You'll you, sometimes it just, you give them all that trust because yeah. they've earned it. And, uh, yeah, just give it a second shot if you didn't love it because there's a lot in there that deserves to exist. There's a little game we'll play at some future episode of taking actors and swapping an actor with another actor in their roles and oh, yeah. determining which would be better in theory because you can't obviously you can't but swapping oh, like, like swapping like a movie cast yeah sw like swapping DiCaprio and let's say Matt Damon let's give it let's give each other the other's career. Who has the better track record? You know what I mean. That kind of thing. We'll we'll play oh, with that. Those are a couple of great track records. Yeah, we'll play with that. That'll be fun that to do at another day. Yeah. Uh, at number four was Spider Man: Far From Home, making an, just under another nine million dollars, and rounding out the top five was Toy Story Four, sliding down to number five, making just over another seven million. What looked like was in the bank with that movie breaking a billion may be a little. It may be a little harder of a fight. They're they're still in the nine hundred and. X 
million dollars, but it's cooled considerably yeah. um, with some of the other competition and whatnot that's out there. So we'll see if it gets to a billion. We'll let you know if it does. Taking a look at a few movie-related headlines, uh, we got a first look at Directifer, Directifer, Director Christopher Nolan. We're going to call him Directifer from now on. Christopher Nolan's next film, Tenet, which is in theaters, the 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 screener, the trailer is. Um, it's not yet online, which is I kind of like doing that. I mean, I know they did that for a while with was it Dunkirk that they held the screener off of the internet for a few weeks while the while it while played. it was playing in theaters. Yeah, I kind of like that. We're headed to Dunkirk. I, I didn't like the necessarily move the movie, but I had the, the idea of hey, trailers are something you go to the theater to see. I love I that trailer. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the short trailer features uh, John David Washington's character. The film is being billed as an espionage thriller, but maybe has some time travel, time manipulation elements to it. We're not sure, but yeah. when he plays with, I mean, he's not made too many straight narrative films, so this could be interesting what he does with this. Uh, the film's production budget is rumored to be around $225 million. Safe investment. <laughs> yeah, they'll make it back, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I imagine there will be some effects work if his track record is anything to be based on. Can't think of a bad Christopher Nolan movie. Mm, I can I think of some rises. that aren't as good as others. But <laughs> yeah, some aren't as good yeah. as others, but probably better than... A lot of what's out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the film is scheduled to open July 17th, 2020, so a little less than a year away from that one. Warner Brothers Pictures has done some shuffling around of film release dates. Dune is being moved from November 20th of 2020 down to December 18th of 2020. They're pushing it back a month. They're saying it's not because like of reshoots or the you know, slow post-production work, but um, simply because films that are in that sci-fi fantasy vein, whether you're talking Avatar, the Star Wars films, Marvel films, they all tend to do pretty well right around Christmas. Yeah. And there is 2020, there is a hole. If you remember, Disney has said, here's the release schedule for the next, you know, 35 years. And it's, they're alternating Avatar films and Star Wars films or Marvel films. But 2020 didn't have anything in that slot yet. So Warner Brothers is going to move Dune to the Christmas 2020 release. Um, and then they've also set the date for the Elvis Presley biopic that will be October 1st of 2021. You know... Which is a weird time, it yeah. feels like, to release that one, but... With a... Uh, unless there's a costume accessory set they're going to sell. Yeah, see how many people will dress <laughs> up like Elvis for yeah. Christmas. Uh, with Dune, uh, I'm really <laughs> just, on the fence about this movie, regardless I, oh, of I'll, director. I want, I want to see it opening weekend just yeah. because... It's going to be something. It's either going to be a train wreck or it's going to be... I, I don't think this movie can be okay. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an it'll all be or one nothing. Or the other. Yeah. I'm curious because, uh, like, I was reading into the original release of the first one. Right. And uh, I stumbled upon, like, the handout that they gave to people upon release, which had, like... All this terminology <laughs> yeah, on it, the definitions. Of, yeah. yeah, like you're gonna need. We didn't have the runtime, <laughs> so you're gonna need to know what these things are because they're just gonna say it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious how. And even that doesn't really save that movie. Does yeah. It? Knowing this doesn't make that any better of a film. I, I I would be very very nervous going into a movie that had a glossary page. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a Wikipedia I'm, at this point. Yeah. It's like it, every time like a, a new word gets used, it just pauses and then has the definition come up and then continue. continue 
continues. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be curious how uh, it's it's Denny Villeneuve or yeah, Vill- Villeneuve. Yeah. yeah, I was never going to get that. Yeah, no, I'll sorry. get it eventually. Yeah, uh, very very talented director. Absolutely. David Lynch is also a talented director, but <laughs> Still. his talents are in sort of a different vein. Yeah, and I know that the studio kind of had their uh, they had their multiple f- fingers and multiple pies, yeah, yeah kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. I'm curious what his actual movie could have been like, but yeah, I mean, Elephant Man was tremendous, and everything else is really heady. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, this might be a he has a he has a very he has an, a unique skill for sci-fi. Yeah, and uh, I I'll, I'll be there day one, and I really hope I love it because. The story is very unique and interesting. Right. Uh, I just, it, boy, it's, 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 it's hard. It's unwieldy. It's almost, I mean, if, if they chop and it makes sense to because of the, because of the narrative, but if it, the size of that book is two films, how do you do Dune, which is considerably a thicker book yeah. <laughs> and do that as a single film? That's going to be a challenge unless, and I know they won't commit to anything until the money comes in, but it almost feels like that has to be like a third of the book, <laughs> you know, is the I'm, is one movie. I'm curious what the budget is on this one. I it, the cast alone yeah. is worth quite a bit, and I'm sure there'll be tons of effects work that has to be done. This is one thing that I always wish that Hollywood do Hollywood would do with their uh, remakes and reboots and stuff, like the movies that they got wrong, uh, like Judge Dredd right. uh, and the Dread remake. I like when they're willing to give something that could have been good right. a second shot. So I hope this ends up being the good version of Dune that uh, a lot of audiences want to see because it might open up the door for tons of other movies that just didn't get a good first try yeah. and have all the potential in the world. So we'll see. Finally, I thought this was fun. Yeah, James Cameron, as you know, likes to work with a lot of the same people. He's the original Kevin Smith in a way. Um, one actor thought that he had the role in Avatar secured. For nine months, he was told, you're going to be in Avatar. You're going to be in what is going to be the highest grossing film, and it's going to stay that way for nearly a decade. You are an integral part of this. And then he found out when it came time to start shooting, he's not in the film. And that was actor Michael Bain. He apparently thought he was going to be playing the role that Stephen Lang played in the Avatar film, the the bad guy military type. Um, and this apparently came to light recently in an interview. At, I don't know if it was at a convention or for an online periodical of some sort yeah. it wasn't like in variety or deadline or anything like that but uh he, he said yeah for nine months i've gotten back in shape you know gotten film shape and was going through the script and learning the lines and after nine months i was told we're not going to do it james cameron has responded and said the reason he ended up not going with michael bain was because number one he'd already cast sigourney weaver and because he did not want there to be this instant visual and <laughs> mental connection yeah. between aliens and hey look these this, two back together yeah, hey what do you know another james cameron movie with these two and so when they had to choose between either keeping sigourney weaver or keeping michael bain he made the right choice <laughs> he kept sigourney weaver i'd who's say the bigger name of the two who's going to put more rear ends and seats that doesn't seem it seems like you're doubting your audience a little bit and their ability to suspend disbelief and you're kind of doubting the actors as well for them to create new characters but well part of that too is he was kind of also he he 
he hinted at without actually saying he was also kind of covering his own rear because it's basically the same character that Michael Bain played in the abyss. Yeah. And he didn't really want people to see that he didn't, he, he had a hard time. He's recycling characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From all sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's why Michael Bain had to sit at home and yeah. not get some of that avatar money. I thought Stephen Lang was wonderful in that role. I did, too. He killed it. He's probably one of the best parts of it, I think. Yeah, and he's back for at least one of the sequels, from what I understand. I'm going to be curious how that plays out. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> new in theaters this week. There's a lot going on this week that's, that's new here at the box office. Uh, Dora and the Lost City of Gold is probably the big release this week. Yeah. The one that will do the best in the top five or box office wise early reviews are looking a lot better than i would then it has any right to yeah it's like <laughs> looks heard. like they had a lot of fun with this one and didn't take it as a hugely serious adaptation of a children's show uh, it's going to be interesting because the other probably probably the other big release this weekend is scary stories to tell in the dark which it's a little early for halloween although don't tell like the retailers that because yeah. that's been going on for a while now um but they both kind of play to a demographic that is slightly older than when they were first introduced yeah. to these properties so now it's the older teens 20s probably even maybe like early 30 year olds that are kind of i mean dora is not necessarily in that demographic but the people that have children that grew up with dora both that, are like really i'm i would say uh very unique in that respect that their initial intended audience what like if you picked up scary stories and tell to tell in the dark right now as an adult uh it's probably not something that you would love just right. because it is more like it's like it's, it's, advanced goosebumps. I was going to say yeah, it's goosebumps yeah. plus yeah but there's a group the people that grew up with those stories that now have children that and this is is it i forget the rating i should look that was it pg13 that's yeah. what i was thinking so People that have those older children, you know, not, you know, PG-13 to me in my mind is always like really 10-year-olds and up. Same. So, so you know, they've people that have kids that age that grew up with these books, it's something that they can share together. Whereas if their kids are maybe younger than 10, again, parents kind of grew up with the Dora, they go to that one. It'll be interesting to see how the two shake out at the end yeah. of the weekend. I can't wait to see what demographic shows up the most. Uh, that'll be really exciting to see mm -hmm. because, yeah. Uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. It does look like it's more tailored towards teenagers. Yeah, uh, which is good if they grew up with the Goosebumps movies, which are a couple years old now. I guess the one last year, but the original was a few years out now. Yeah, this might be kind of that next step into the Monsters genre for them. Yeah, I do look really it. awesome. I want to. Oh yeah, well yeah, it's Monsters look crazy in this movie. So yeah. that art, the the Guillermo del Toro style of those monsters is. Ugh. Well, you've got yeah Del Toro, then you've got the director Andre Overdahl who did Troll Hunters, and yeah. that's a very distinctive visual monster look too. So yeah, it, it's this has a, a lot of good things coming together to make this a, a potentially a good experience in young adult horror, which is something you don't always get because a lot of young adult horror tends to be schlocky. But this looks pretty good. Uh, also releasing this week, The Kitchen, based on the graphic novel comics property. Another one that, if you don't have kids, <laughs> this is the one you yeah. go see. I'm actually kind of excited for this movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Melissa McCarthy when she's serious. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like her when she's funny, because she's got some really, really classic funny roles. But uh, like with Can You Ever Forgive Me last year, right. wonderful performance. The date gives me a little pause, because, you know, I 
wish this would have come out a little later in the year. Yeah, probably September. Have, yeah, but I mean, this is right before kids go back to school, so there could still be parents rushing out to watch movies right beforehand. Uh, but another part of this I'm excited for is serious Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, uh, which will be interesting to see. <laughs> she's kind of done it before. Yeah. She's good. She's a, she's a wonderful yeah, yeah. actress. Uh, on the last OG, she gets to do some more serious moments. Yeah. And then in The Oath, she is really dialed back and seems yeah. to be the the more level-headed person yeah. in that film. I like her way more dialed back, and I don't really like her not dialed back. I, yeah. <laughs> I love both. Uh, what's funny is there's a series called Toucan Birdie that exists where she does voice work with Ali Wong, and uh, yeah, her energy really, really suits animation very well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big Tiffany Haddish fan. I loved Girls Trip. Uh, I loved The Oath. I Last OG is super fun. Uh, yeah, she's very talented. So I'm glad she's she's stretching out because yeah. she puts she puts out about five movies a year. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be good to see her playing in the mobster yeah, wife she's busy. role. Yeah, uh, so it'll, it'll be, be fun different to see yeah. her do something different. Absolutely. And then finally, the art of racing in the sun. Oh, rain. Art of racing in the rain. It's art of racing in the rain. Okay. Is it the rain? Totally. Okay. Either one. Yeah. Both of those are coming out this yeah. week. Sad, <laughs> sad dog movie. Yeah, the sad dog movie that you didn't know yeah. that you wanted. Who yeah. wouldn't love to hear Kevin Costner as a dog, right? I mean, I'm listening. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of, of his entire catalog. Yeah. So. That uh, Milo fella from This Is Us. Mm -hmm. uh, Say his last name. Starts with a V. Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia. <laughs> Ventimiglia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seems like he'll he'll it's 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 his foray into movies. He's had a couple out the last couple of years that haven't done great. So mm -hmm. we'll see if it's this seems like a nice wholesome family movie that might bring people together. So yeah, it, if you if you like the whole talking dog genre, the sad talking dog genre, and that seems to be a thing any now. Any of the other ones <laughs> yeah. this year? Yeah, there's nothing else going. On. Look for the art of racing in some sort of weather pattern, <laughs> <laughs> sunny, rainy, whatever it might be. Coming up this week at the Alamo Draft House, for families, a lot going on. The Great Muppet Caper wrapped up, and now we've got the Casper Kids Camp going on. That is this Thursday and Friday, but because the Great Muppet Caper was such a big hit, there's bringing back some of that. Um, we did. We did. That was... It was Monday. Yeah. How... How did it go? Is what it, it went well. Yeah. Was it a, it went, was it the, did everybody who voiced their I'm trying to figure out the diplomatic way to say all of this. Did everybody that complained about not getting to watch it at 10 a.m. two weeks ago get to up. come out and show up Monday night? Uh, technically, yes. Good. Um, <laughs> it was still very kid-heavy. Yeah. And nobody was as excited as I was about the uh, fun fact that I that I said at the which, intro. But which was? Fun fact is, so 40 years ago, the Muppet movie came out. Right. 40. Crazy, right? So then uh, Jim Henson's like... Yeah, that was good. I like that. I want to do another movie with puppets. And they're like, hell yeah. Like the powers that be. Yeah. And so he's like, I want it to be a dark. The dark crystal, right? Yeah, the dark crystal. And they were like, mm -mm, no, kids, no. Kids aren't going to watch that. And he was like, I think it's going to go well. And they're like, we don't. But, you know, we're listening. We hear you. We respect you. So if you want to do a sequel to the Muppet movie first, you know, then, then we can talk about this dark crystal thing so he's like 
I'll take that as a yes. So he did both movies at the same time. He <laughs> yeah. did uh, he Caper the, in New York. He yeah. did Dark Crystal in London. Yep. And then he, bam, bam, released him 81 and 82. And I was way more excited than, you know, like two people made like a little audible gasp when I said Dark Crystal. Everybody else is like, how much longer until the movie starts? <laughs> Why is this lady talking? <laughs> as they are, usually are. I mean, they don't want to hear us. What's a Dark Crystal? Have you read yeah. his biography? I it's really good. It's worth have, it's I've worth read reading. excerpts from it. Mm. I haven't read the whole thing. It's really good. Well, I'm glad people got to experience that because yeah, there have been moments of the kids camp this summer. I'm like, man, if I but my kids were like busy doing something, mm. whether it's summer school or camp or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I yes, I could have I, I was in a position where I could have showed up at ten o'clock one of those days and, and watched one of those movies. But uh movies yeah, I'm glad for yourself that, are the best movies. They are. I've done that a time or two. But I, I'm glad that uh that some of these family films that folks are uh like, hey, you know, we want to see that too. <laughs> we, we'd like yeah. to go see some and of we these. We did that last year with Never Ending Story, yeah. and we'll bring that back again. Of course. And if but if I had a kid who was young and I mean, I have stepkids who are young, but right. you know, younger. I would be taking full advantage of this, so I'm Absolutely. glad that it exists at least. Well, next week's kids' camp film is the Lego Movie from a yeah. few years ago, the first one. I know this has David has a soft spot for this film. Yeah, I was going to say David. I absolutely love oh. it. It's uh, hysterical. What? Anything uh, uh, stand out about this movie for you in your personal life? Yeah, uh, actually, this was like the first date that I went on with my current girlfriend of over five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to see the Lego Movie. I knew it would be amazing. It's a you always want to take them to a crowd pleaser. Uh, <laughs> that's smart because if the movie's good then the date was good that's <laughs> the rule because if they're bored and not having fun I guess you could always like leave or you know yeah, do some necking or gate. something <laughs> I don't know uh, follow what's that <laughs> just a little necking uh, <laughs> but it, it was a, it was a blast we both love the movie uh, it's so funny and you know five years so it worked out pretty well so would you say you knew at that moment seeing her laugh through the lego movie that, that she was laughing in the same day. spots that you yeah. were i was nervous the entire time like, <laughs> i didn't laugh at all yeah. i was clammy As and almost and i sweaty. wasn't focused on the movie i was like focused on the little like finger crawl over to her where it's like okay maybe like a little pinky contact on the side of her hand just to express intentions oh I think I got a bite. Finger lock, <laughs> hand hold, and we're in. Oh, my God. What a beautiful love yeah. story. She has to listen to this. I dated like a child. <laughs> I went, we went to the Lego movie, and we held hands. It was lovely, and it worked out. So, yeah. It's <laughs> the best story. <laughs> also, for families, you guys are doing family parties this weekend for Dora and the yeah. Lost City of Gold on Saturday at 11 a.m. and then again on Sunday at 1.30. I know we've talked about this, but if somebody's listening and they don't know, it's the first time they've heard us mention the family parties, tell them a little bit about what to expect if they show up for one of these films. Well, when you come to a family party, what you can expect <laughs> is a ton of fun before the feature. So what we do is we set up for 45 minutes prior to showtime with several activities. Sometimes we have like local uh, groups come out and do something that's sort of tied into the film. Uh, this time around with Dora, you can expect to like get to make your own map, oh. get to make your own backpack, what? binoculars. We have t- 
tons of really fun crafts uh, set up for this one. So uh, bring the kiddos early. We're going to have a good time. Maybe give away a couple of Dora the Explorer posters. Ooh. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Heck yeah. Plus, it's a funny movie. It is. And it's going to be something that I think... Uh, parents are going to catch themselves starting to enjoy as it unfolds even the the most one of the most recent trailers with the uh her looking at the camera saying uh can you say delicioso and then michael pena like <laughs> who's she <laughs> yeah. talking to looking around yeah, confused. Yeah. there's no camera yeah she'll grow out of that yeah there's going to be a lot of silly silly humor in this and I, i'm which is among my favorite types of humor yeah it's just dumb yeah. stuff what is it? Uh, quicksand that makes fart noises. It's it's gonna be really light. It's gonna be silly and uh, like we love doing these things before these show times where families can come together and enjoy a craft. So parents, you can make your own backpack. You can make your own map if there's a place you want to get. You can get yourself there. I bet. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Definitely come come try these ones out because uh, this I think this might be the last one for the rest of this month as far as family parties are concerned. I think so, so yes. you better hop on it. Yep. Also, this next week on Sunday, a couple things going on: the Iron Giant movie party at two p.m. One of my favorite films. One of mine as well. Very very happy. That this is and it's twenty years since it came out. Stop yeah. it! Which Every time you do I that, know, it's like, it would definitely be one of my favorite movies if I'd seen it. You haven't oh seen the Iron Giant. Never seen it. I know where you need to be on Sunday yeah. at two o'clock. When I was little, I didn't like that animation style. It mm-hmm. intimidated me. So I took my son to this. He was, he was uh, <laughs> okay. three. He was three years old, almost four, and it oh, was it was tough. just oh. We cried and laughed. Your and eyes started leaking yeah, a little bit. Oh, yeah, it was such a good, good movie experience for us. And I've seen it about a thousand times since then. Yeah, I have to. Every time I get the eye sweats. Yep. Chariots of Fire at 3 p.m. on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. That's how I'm entering. <laughs> slow motion running. So have you guys been slow motion running two. down the hall yeah. here? To, I used for to the play this soundtrack, <laughs> blast in my living room, uh, and my brother and I would practice slow motion racing. It was one of the best times ever in I feel my like life. The end of a slow motion race gets a lot quicker. Probably. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want to lose. Because you you're realizing, it's really hard okay. to slow motion fall. <laughs> <laughs> that was where it, you really use your core. And that, <laughs> Gravity you know? takes over at mm-hmm. some point. Yes. On a Monday, the kids camp that wrapped up recently. They're doing their premiere that Monday night. Correct. Yes. That's going to yep. be a lot of fun for those Heck kids. Yeah. Also, Monday night. Speaking of Dune, Dune at 6.40 p.m. on the big screen. If it's been a minute since you've seen that film. You might need to print some of those glossaries off. For yeah. this. That, that might, might be, be a, a little idea. fun for the audience. That would be fun. Uh, Blinded by the Light, The there's a Springsteen fan event on Monday night at 7 p.m. to go along with this love letter to America and Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Ju- I'm sad I have to miss this because I really would like to go to that. And the event should be pretty boss. You get it? Uh, Unfortunately. Bruce Springsteen is the boss. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Monday night and Tuesday night, two chances at 7 o'clock to catch the Wizard of Oz movie party this week. Yeah, if you haven't already gotten a ticket, I would say good luck you will, to you. <laughs> yeah, I would say you'll probably be sitting alone mm-hmm. or separated. 
But uh, yeah, uh, there are some one-offs still available, and I think there might be a couple seats together in the front row on one of them. It's safe to say mm. we'll bring this back. Um, yeah. However, yeah. it'll be you know it'll be a few months. So yeah. And then Tuesday night we start up the Born series. Tuesday night we have the Born Identity at six forty p.m. Yes. And then this is fun. Uh, on occasion, you guys get. Uh, Season premieres, series premieres for television properties. The Righteous Gemstones mm-hmm. series premiere is screening here Tuesday night at 7.20 p.m. This show, this show looks yeah. hilarious. It does <laughs> look so hilarious. great. It looks pretty good. So if, if you don't have the HBO or you're waiting to see if you like the show before you resubscribe since you have the bad taste from Game of Thrones, why this is a great chance to come out here and check out the series premiere of The Righteous Gemstones before you subscribe to HBO again. Yeah. Show local sweetheart John Goodman some love and come out here. Local yeah. sweetheart. And yeah. it's, a, it's, a fi- it's a basically a free good. show. Yes, so does. you pay $5, which is taken off your food and beverage. Yeah. yeah. The which end, is great. So. And that's what? just to reserve your seat. Is basically uh, why we have that. The, sh- the shows from the creator, uh, Jody Hill, mm-hmm. Danny McBride, uh, Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals, <laughs> yes. are, are great. both so, so hilarious. So, and so, I, so good. I'm so glad that he keeps on getting to work out these contracts with HBO to continue to create new content because... It might be different iterations of a similar character, right? But man, but it's the same character. <laughs> yeah. Jerk Danny McBride yeah. is awesome. Oh, he's, he's always really on fun. His game. I always. love a character who's confident that does not deserve <laughs> to be exactly. Uh, so this one looks like no exception. A lot of fun. And then Wednesday night, the film club screening for this month is Ophelia, and then the Born Supremacy is at six forty on Wednesday night. Continuing along. And then there's also the Mad Max Fury Road movie party going on yeah. on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I was happy to see that people were excited about this one. Yeah. I was like, is it too soon? But no. No, it's been, uh, because it's the been like, what, three years Because the longer I'm I'm sure that I don't know what people want to watch. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to get people out for a movie that just came out in the last few years. Yeah. yeah. Unless yeah. it's Greatest Showman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one exception. But, yeah, Mad Max Fury Road... It was the best movie that came out that year. It was really good. So awesome. Uh, the the beautiful, like, the imagery is beautiful. Uh, the stunts that they do, everything, all the practical elements that they put into it just makes for this beautiful picture. Uh, yeah. And once again, Tom Hardy... Just his his mouth obscured for a good portion of the film as well. <laughs> uh, who, who can't go wrong with Tom Hardy? In a I'd like to create a list of mask. movies where he at least is muffled at some point. Yeah. Uh, Why don't you do it? I could. Okay, I'm sure it's, it oh, it's over six movies. Yeah. I know that at least, and that's more than you could say for most. Ninety nine percent of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Lots of wide shots that use the entire screen, even though there's very little going on, you know. But they, but just the yeah. the scenery, the and the starkness. color's so saturated. Yeah. like uh, just, all the blues are really blue. The oranges of the sand are really orange. Uh, it's a pretty picture. Yeah, and then Charlize Theron's badass in it. So. She's so great. Gosh, she was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All that plus the smoky folk duo, Drew and Jeff, are going to be playing the back lot tonight at 7 o'clock. Andy Havens is playing the back lot as part of KSMU's Studio Live Social Hour on Friday at 6 o'clock. The Charity on Tap Silent Auction with Mother's Brewing Company benefiting Care to Learn is on Sunday at 3 o'clock. All auction proceeds plus $1 
for every pint of doing good goes to Care to Learn, which is a fantastic organization here locally. Yes. And the Trivia Dome, Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock in the back lot, seven rounds, seven questions, up to seven people per team. Just came back this week. Was there... A full house, or did, did I mean, because it had been gone for well. the summer. Yeah. yeah, we had taken a few weeks off. We did come back um, last week for one final. Yeah, the um, the old style old style yeah. trivia, but it was uh, it it went well. I think Good. that you know we have a a visual round now, oh. so that made it a little you know like how's this going to go? But it, yeah, it went, it went well. So, Very good. So if it. you're into movie trivia, make sure you come out on Tuesday nights. I like the fact that it's shortened to seven, 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 to seven because it kind of makes it go yes. a little quicker. Yeah, you can kind of get out because it's a Tuesday night. Yeah, you can come out, enjoy it, and not yeah, feel like was... I'm going to be out all night on a Tuesday. Got to go to work Wednesday. I like the shorter rounds. I yeah, think that that was a good. Well, get your tickets early. These special screenings often sell out, as mentioned, especially with The Wizard of Oz. Some of them may even have by the time we're finished with this show. Uh, buy online at drafthouse.com slash Springfield. You can buy them in the Alamo Drafthouse app on your mobile device. You can get them in person. However you need to get your tickets, do it. Just don't wait till the day of because, again, a lot of times these things sell out. You'll want to get them early and get them often. These are a lot of fun to come out to. We, it seems like a lot of the same people show up for a lot of the same special screenings. There's a yeah, there's a core group of people. Awesome. Yeah, there's a core group of people that love what you guys are able to show and bring back that you can't find on a screen anywhere else in the area. Yeah, I mean, typically our like our signature series, the ones, the movies that we bring back. Uh, yeah, that brings out the super fans, the ones yeah. who really, really love film, want to see it on the big screen. Have that theater experience where seeing it with strangers, uh, you know, a, a packed theater with yeah. other people. Yeah, it, and bring you it, back to that moment when you may have seen it for the first time, or if you missed it on the big screen, get to have that moment. Absolutely, everything in the month of August, and I want to say just about everything for September, if not everything, is up online right now. You can search yeah. on Facebook. Just go to at Alamo Spring Mo and search for the events page, the events tab. However, you're looking at it, uh, you can find everything that's coming up at least for the next month, month and a half there. Well, this summer we are asking for your favorite movies from the summers of the 1980s. We're going all the way back year by year, picking the movies that were released between Memorial Day weekend and Labor Day weekend. Each year we're picking our favorites and then every week we're letting you decide which is your favorite from our choices. The results thus far have been, we had Raiders of the Lost Ark 1 for 1981, E.T. won for 1982, National Lampoon's Vacation won for 1983. We threw those three head-to-head, and E.T. is your favorite movie from the early 80s. That's 81 through 83. For 1984, we had Ghostbusters, 85. We had a tie. We couldn't figure it out in the first round, uh, so we moved them on to the next. We had The Goonies and Back to the Future tied in 85, and then Ferris Bueller's Day Off was the winner for 1986 throwing those four films together to find out who's going to represent the mid-80s, we came away with Back to the Future. So E.T. and Back to the Future are moving on. We're looking for who's going to represent the late 80s. We started that off last week by asking for your favorite films from the summer of 1987. And here are the results. 4% of the vote. (laughs) Somebody voted. Me and another few people (laughs) voted for Roxanne, which came in fourth place. 
At number three with 16% of the vote was Full Metal Jacket. That was David's pick. Got a little more than I thought it would, just because it's not typical, like... You know, uh, summer favorite kind of. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's probably the best movie, it's but it's not yeah. at all. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> which means number two with twenty seven percent of the vote was Spaceballs, which is plenty lighthearted yes. for everybody. Yes, definitely lighthearted. And number one with over half of the votes, fifty three percent of the votes, the winner was The Lost Boys. Not yes. really surprising. Me neither. I wasn't surprised that, either. Yeah. Um, I do think Dirty Dancing would have probably won. <laughs> probably, we did hear some comments about trigger, that. You know, but uh, I couldn't, I couldn't in good conscience vote for it because I didn't think it was my, it wasn't my favorite yeah. movie. So. Yeah, exactly. This is our favorites, and then folks are voting on them. If they want to give us their thoughts, you can certainly do so on social media or in person, or stop somebody in the hall and ask them why they didn't put Dirty yeah. Dancing. Whatever the case is. Uh, so that gives us so far again. Just to recap: E.T., Back to the Future are still alive. The Lost Boys is the first movie from the late '80s. This week we are talking about the movies from the summer of 1988. And so we've got the list in front of us: movies released between Memorial Day and Labor Day weekends of 1988. Because Kenny's not here, he did call in and leave a recorded message with his pick. He uh, wasn't sure where he would be picking because since he won, he would traditionally pick last. But because he's not here, I told him I would let him have the first pick. Um, But he did give us two options. Uh, If he's going pick first, here's my first option. If I'm picking fourth, here's one that I'm pretty sure will be left still. Uh, So he did both of those. We will play that for you. Here is Kenny checking in with his picks. Hey, everybody. This is K-Dub. Sorry I wasn't there this week. Had to do some stuff up in the old St. Louis. And um, I want to make sure I, want, I got my pick in for this week for my movie for 1988. If it hasn't been taken yet, I'd like to do Young Gun. But if for some reason that's been taken, I would like to do The Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years. All right, guys. I'll hopefully be back next week or two. And so, because we're giving him the first pick, Kenny's going to take Young Guns off the list, which leaves quite a bit still uh, for picks two through four taking a look through the list anything jump out at anybody maybe maybe it's your pick maybe it's not but um there are quite a few films in 88 that clean and sober with michael keaton is that, is that your favorite <laughs> movie that year i was it thinking caddyshack too because it's such a terrible yeah there's a lot of schlock in lot, here too because i saw a lot of movies in that summer because i was right. in middle school and that's all we had to do yeah so i feel like i saw almost every single one of these right i'm almost positive um so there are a lot. And then my mom loved Crossing Delancey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, uh, Hot to Trot. <laughs> That's <laughs> the one with Gold, Bobcat Goldplate yes. and the horse. Oh my okay. gosh. It That's was what like I thought when I saw it. I was <laughs> reading these. It, almost everyone was like, ah, yeah. oh my gosh, I forgot. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say that there are particular standouts. I, Eight Men Out was one I watched several times. Loved that movie. Yeah. A lot. So there's a bunch. There's a bunch. David, anything jump out to you that. I have a couple few that are at the top of my list mm-hmm. as far as ones that I want to pick. I don't want to say them. No, that's fine. We don't yet. have to yet. Yeah, we'll get but to you. I have a few. Any other thoughts on the maybe some of these others on the list here? That- Last Temptation of Christ is a wonderful film. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Tucker uh, is an underrated <laughs> movie, I believe. I really enjoy that movie. Anything with Jeff Bridges is wonderful. Uh-huh. A Funny Farm. Yeah, I loved Funny Farm, too. 
despite you know all the bad press around him, I do really enjoy Chevy Chase, the, the Great Outdoors. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah there are some fun comedy. A uh, Fish Called Wanda, great Older. movie, is fantastic. Let's just read every one. Midnight Run, <laughs> yeah, pretty Midnight much. Runs wonderful. Yeah, I have a few that I would consider taking. Yeah, so so I have the second pick uh, since I had Roxanne last week going with. Uh, you know, Lost Boys is off the list, so that's why I took that one. But yeah, looking through here, we've got quite a few that could potentially uh, be a pick. Big is probably one of them that jumps out right away as a one that could win the poll. Uh, Bull Durham, I think, has a lot of love, you know, especially in you know this time of year, this area, the country. Coming to America is a lot of fun. Who Framed Roger Rabbit's just goofy, silly. Um, a fish called Wanda, I think, is still kind of underrated. As you know, it doesn't get maybe mm-hmm. the that love that it should. Movie. It really was. Um, <laughs> cocktails on there, but you know, it's one of those things where if you were a kid in the eighties, that was just you know, it, it existed. And I wanted to be able to to do that. Those drinks <laughs> no, no. like that, and yeah. I played that soundtrack until it was oh, yeah. worn out. It was uh, a great soundtrack. The Blobs on there, which I think is a little underrated as well. It um, wasn't the original. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I love the original. But with all that said, I'm going to have to try to split the vote with Kenny and go die hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad somebody took it. Oh, yeah. You knew it wasn't going to yeah. make it off the list. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, there's a lot of meat left on the bone. And I like <laughs> to bring up again that this was a movie that came out in the summer. Which is odd because <laughs> yeah. it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so that brings it to you, David. Young Guns and Die Hard are off the list. Well, I will say this: you definitely picked my first pick. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's a. That, I felt that was a pretty easy call. Yeah. With Die Hard, uh, I mean, it's the second best Christmas movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, second to Lethal Weapon. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Jingle All the Way. Mm. <laughs> Jingle All the Way is up there, at least for me. Yeah. I know it's not for most people, but yeah. the movie that I would pick in its stead would be uh, Big. I love funny Tom Hanks. Yeah. He doesn't do it enough anymore. It's a very sweet movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Tom Hanks all the way. Big, lovely, yeah. lovely film. So far, the, yeah, the movies that we've picked, I mean, they all are iconic in their own way, but yeah, it's this is going to be a close matchup, I think, this yeah, week. I think so, too. Um, so, yeah, I was going to pick big because uh, <laughs> those kids were my age, Um and not your age, so it was definitely more me that should have gotten it, but it's whatever. I definitely uh, I also played the point. piano, and I also <laughs> liked toys. So, but that's fine. It's all fine. Because I also had another one that was a close second, and it is the great outdoors. Um, I, I love those guys. I love any anybody who was, you know, Aykroyd, uh, Candy, those guys were, they were amazing together. There's a lot of great scenes in that. <laughs> and there were kids my age in that movie too, luckily yeah. for you, David. So <laughs> I was able to still identify with with it. So yeah. I don't like to camp, um, but they did have a house, so it made it okay. All those early, like SNL, SCTV guys and gals really ran the tables on comedies throughout mm-hmm. the... Oh, yeah late 70s and 80s uh just movie after movie that can be attributed to those two shows uh yeah and their talent so which is good i mean yeah they paid their dues in yeah. the 70s and they got paid in the 80s to make the movies and yeah they, they they still stick with us a lot of them so so that is it for this week those that's your poll 
We're asking you for your favorite film from the summer of 1988. Your choices, again, are Young Guns, Die Hard, Big, and The Great Outdoors. The poll is up right now. What you do is you go on Twitter or Facebook. Just search for Backlot Pod, one word, Backlot Pod. And you'll find them pinned right to the top of the page. You go in and vote. If you're on Twitter, it's just a poll. You just click the button and go along your merry way. On Facebook, we have to set up a separate Google form. So it, there's, you don't have to log into anything. It's not tracking your identity. The government's not watching what movie you vote for. they got other things to watch you for besides that. Um, but you just go in and you, and you put your vote in. You pick which one you want. We will tabulate the results, and we'll let you know next week which of these four films will be representing the summer of 1988 when we break it all down at the end of the summer. Next week, we'll be talking about our favorite movies from the summer of 1989. That'll be the last time we go through a list like this. I can't believe it. Then we'll we'll find our, our winners from the late 80s. We'll throw early 80s, mid 80s, and late 80s together, and we'll crown one champion from the summer of the 1980s at the end of this summer. Give us your thoughts on anything we've talked about. What are you going to see this week? Out of the four that are new this week, what are you going to watch? What did you think of it? Because I promise you we won't get to see all four of them between now and next time we record. So if you have thoughts on anything you see, let us know. What's your pick for your favorite movie from the summer of 1988? If we use your comments, we will give you a shout-out on next week's episode. Again, you can find us on social media by searching for Backlot Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can call and leave your thoughts on the hotline, as Tom did and as Kenny did this week, because he's not here with us, at 417-986-7842. Just do it. We would love to include your voice, your recorded comments, in next week's episode. Be sure to follow the Alamo Draft House online on social media. Just search for... At Alamo Spring Mo. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you can download the Alamo Draft House app. Just search for Alamo Draft House in your mobile devices app store, or you can visit the Alamo Draft House online at drafthouse.com slash Springfield, or you can just pop in and say hello. If you're Why looking not? for tickets, get them early. Uh, you can find Kenny and I weekends on the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. Season two starts in just three weeks on Labor Day weekend. Follow us online by searching for at PGTC, it stands for Pop Goes the Culture, at PGTC Podcast on social media and at popgoestheculture.com. That's all I've got. Anybody got anything else for the folks before we get out of here? No, I just, we hope we ha- you, that you have a great day. I can't talk, but that we really hope that. <laughs> and I would also like to say that we hope that what you just said is true, that you do have a great day. We, we both hope that, yeah. so... Fair enough. <laughs> and I, too, hope you have a great day. Come see a movie this weekend at the Alamo Draft House. Let us know what you thought about it. Vote in the poll, your favorite movie for summer of 1988. We will catch you guys next week. Talk to you later. See you. Have a great day. This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.